I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central Show brought to you today by MTN Business. Visit mtnbusiness.co.za to learn more. And while you're doing that, not why not head over to youtube.com slash techcentral and subscribe to the show, and you'll never miss another interview. Now, we're on a call with the U.S. next, U.S. East Coast, I believe, to a company called Sound Thinking and its technology called ShotSpotter, which is being used actively in by the authorities in Cape Town. Tom Chittam is uh, SoundThink's Senior Vice President for Forensic Services, and he joins me now from Kentucky in the U.S. Tom, welcome. Uh, um, tell me a bit about uh, Kentucky. Uh, it's not a place we hear about much uh, here in South Africa beyond, I guess, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, t- tell us a bit about uh, Kentucky and uh, how you find yourself there today. Well, the world knows about us for KFC, also uh, our horse racing, and of course, our bourbon. Um, Before I came to work for Sound Thinking, I uh, worked in the federal government. Here in the United States, I worked for a federal law enforcement agency uh, called the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or what's commonly known here as the ATF. It's the federal government's gun, bomb, and arson police. Um, I had assignments all over the United States, um, uh, and I spent much of my career in Washington, D.C., but some of my formative years were spent here in the bluegrass state, and it's where I met my wife and where I decided to settle after I retired. Uh, Sound Thinking actually has a system deployed here in Kentucky and Louisville, um, but that's where I I am today and, and why I'm here. Great. So, Tom, I'm looking at a, a news report here by the South African news website, News24. They reported last week uh, that on Saturday, 14 October, there were more than 170 shots fired in 58 shooting incidents in just two hours on the Cape Flats. That sounds like war zone level uh, intensity. Um, do you see this level of intensity from your uh, technology anywhere else in the world outside of a war zone? Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. Uh, Not very long ago, a mayor in one of the American cities where we're deployed made that same analogy that uh, when you listen to shot shot spotter alerts, it it sounds like a war zone. Um, And he's right. Uh, It's incredible the amount of gunfire that we detect and the number of rounds fired in some of the incidents that we alert police to is shocking Mm -hmm. uh, when you hear it. So where where has this technology been deployed? Uh, We've spoken about Cape Town, but where where else in the world is this technology being employed? Well, most of our deployments are domestic to the United States, but we have some deployments in the Caribbean and in Latin America, too. And of course, in Cape Town. Um, And we continue to look at the international market because there are a lot of places like America that have to deal with the, the challenging issue of gun violence. What are the sort of costs involved in in deploying this technology? Would it make sense to make it available right across a city or do law enforcement agencies tend to take this technology and then deploy it in specific suburbs where they know there is a a high incidence of of gun violence? Well, I think it makes sense to deploy a tool in the place where it's going to do the greatest good. And so most of our deployments are in places – that have historically suffered high rates of gun crime, 
measured by objective historical data like uh, calls for service and homicides. Um, I think that uh, the shot spotter system really is critical public safety infrastructure. You can deploy it any place where you think that it can do good. But of course, there is a cost to deployment. And so that's the reason that our deployments are focused on the places that suffer the most from gunfire. Well, take us through the Cape Town deployment. How, how big is that? Which areas are you targeting? And, uh, and I presume it was the Cape Town law enforcement agencies that asked you to deploy in those specific areas. Uh, what has been achieved from this, from this deployment of this technology in Cape Town? Well, that's right. I mean, I think it's helpful first to understand what it is our system does. And uh, there's actually a pretty fascinating history I'd be happy to talk about, too. Uh, but the, the reality is a lot of gunfire goes unreported to police. Uh, police simply just don't know about many of the shooting incidents that occur in the jurisdictions that they're supposed to protect and serve. And even when they do learn about gunfire, the nature of the sound of gunfire is that it travels across great distances and it can be difficult to locate. And our system fills those gaps. We alert police and law enforcement to virtually all gunfire that occurs in their area of operation. But we don't just let them know that it has occurred. We tell them where it has occurred and we do it very quickly, less than a minute. Mm. And that allows police to respond quickly and precisely to where gunfire has occurred. Uh, of course, when gunfire occurs, it often means there are gunshot wound victims. And so it allows police and, and emergency services to render aid to those gunshot wound victims to get them the life-saving care that they need. It also allows police to uh, locate offenders, the people responsible for committing violent crimes. And even when there are no victims left behind and offenders have fled the scene by the time police arrive, there's often valuable ballistic evidence, the casings that are left behind at shootings. And so the value of our system is it helps police uh, know uh, uh, what and when and where gunfire occurs. Of course, uh, it's up to them to investigate those incidents. We can't tell them who is responsible for the gunfire. Uh, but uh, just as our system does in more than 150 cities here in the United States, it helps the authorities in Cape Town do the exact same thing. You asked about the size of our deployment. I believe we cover about seven kilometers in Cape Town, and those are areas that were identified by um, our customers, uh, the law enforcement authorities and the government in Cape Town, uh, as places that were particularly uh, stricken with gunfire, places like mm -hmm. Hanover Park. Right, right. Places on the on the Cape Flats, which we know have high incidence of, of uh, gun violence. But uh, I want to get into exactly how the technology works um, from a technical perspective. But uh, what has this actually resulted in in Cape Town? Have, have there been more arrests, more convictions as a direct result of the deployment of this technology? Yeah. So uh, we were deployed in Cape Town once before from 2016 to 2019. And uh, I believe authorities credited the system's deployment with saving about 200 lives. It also resulted in a number of arrests, lots of recoveries of firearms. Um, our current deployment there is much more recent. But as you pointed out, uh, we're helping the authorities know uh, how much gunfire they're really dealing with. And you can look at the value of the system in a couple of ways. First, there's obvious value in each individual alert. When police know about a shooting and can respond to it, there's, there's value in that. 
there's also value in the aggregate information that comes, allowing the authorities to really understand the scope of the issue that they're dealing with, knowing where and when it happens most often so they can deploy resources accordingly. And it's useful for informing the public, hey, these are issues we have. And so they can um, uh, speak to the elected uh, representatives who uh, serve on their behalf. Say, hey, this matters to me. I want to make sure that you're taking care of this issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And has the technology been entered into evidence in court at all? For prosecution? So uh, one of the things that we do, in addition to alerting police on the front end, we pro- provide forensic services. Mm-hmm. Uh, as my title suggests, it's one of the things that I oversee here at Sound Thinking. We provide detailed forensic reports. So when a shooting incident occurs and police respond and collect evidence and arrest someone and want to prosecute it, Um, Our expert witnesses can appear in court and provide evidence of uh, location or number of rounds fired or precise um, timing of incidents. And we can also allow the authorities to introduce the audio recording that we've captured. And that can be pretty compelling evidence uh, when uh, the court hears the gunfire in question. It really does um, provide some significant impact. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So this has been deployed in parts of Cape Town. Has there been any interest from other cities and towns across South Africa or, for that matter, across the African continent? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, as everyone uh, figures out how to deal with these issues, they look around for solutions and they want to see where it has worked well in other places. And so I, I believe that we do have that sort of interest. Um, of course, we're always Uh, trying to explain to uh, potential customers the value that they get from it, helping answer questions. And when necessary, we appear uh, to speak directly to the community. Uh, For instance, uh, the CEO of Sound Thinking, Ralph Clark, uh, recently traveled to South Africa to appear at a public event so that we can answer questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. We think that it's important that the people uh, who are most impacted by these issues have a chance to hear for themselves what it is we do and what it is we don't do. I'd like to explore the technology in a bit of detail now, but maybe as a starting point for that discussion, we can go back to the founding of Sound Thinking and uh, uh, what the genesis was of the business, who founded it, uh, um, where, where did this idea come from, uh, and um, how has that technology advanced in the, in, in the, in the intervening years? So uh, at heart, we are a Silicon Valley tech company, Mm -hmm. and we got our start there. Um, In the mid-90s, our founder, Dr. Bob Schoen, who is still actively involved in the company today, uh, could hear gunfire occurring near his home. And it occurred to him that he might use the same processes that earthquake scientists use to locate the epicenter of earthquakes. He might use those same Uh, techniques to locate where the sound of gunfire originates from. And so he built a prototype and it worked. And that's how ShotSpotter was born. Um, Our headquarters is still in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that our system works is we deploy sensors over a wide area. And our sensors are placed in high areas like on utility poles or the tops of buildings. That helps with our efficiency in detecting the sound of gunfire as it travels across great distances. 
And our sensors are constantly listening for loud, impulsive sounds, bangs, booms, or pops. Um, when three or more of our sensors detect one of those loud, impulsive sounds, they report to a central cloud-based server that then calculates the time difference of arrival. So the sound uh, travels at a constant speed. It reaches different sensors at different times. And by calculating the difference of those arrivals, we can determine where the sound originated from. It's the same way when the um, uh, waves of an earthquake spread out and hit different sensors they locate the epicenter. That's how our system works. Um, we then go through a process of filtering out sounds that are not gunfire. And what's left behind, the shooting events, we uh, publish to our customers, the police, so they can respond. And all of that happens in less than 60 seconds. Incredible. Incredible. So these things. It is incredible. It's, it, I, I tell people, if you had asked me, before I came to work for the company, in my prior career, I was a federal law enforcement officer, um, and I knew about uh, ShotSpotter. It provided important crime gun intelligence, which is something I'd be happy to talk about. But I didn't really know how it worked. And if somebody had pressed me to explain how ShotSpotter worked, I would have guessed magic. Uh, <laughs> turns out it's not magic at all. It's math and it's science and it's technology uh, harnessed for public safety good. But it really is incredible, game-changing, life-saving technology. Tell, tell me a bit more about these sensors. How big are they? What's inside them? How do they connect to the network? And how do they get deployed, particularly in a country like South Africa, where there is a, a currently a challenge with a constant electricity supply? Uh, how do you ensure that these devices are working all the time and are able to connect to your cloud? Well, we don't reveal a lot of information about our sensors for a few reasons, mm -hmm. um, most notably because many of our sensors are actually deployed on private property. Oh. Um, sometimes that's utility poles by privately owned uh, utility providers, but sometimes it's on actual private property like uh, stores, apartment buildings, even homes. And so we never disclose the location of our sensors, even to our customers. We deploy them ourselves. Um, they are not very large. Uh, occasionally, you will see a publicly posted photographs of what are purported to be our sensors. Very frequently, they are not. They are what somebody envisions uh, with some sort of satellite dish thing. Uh, but they're about the size of a toaster. Um, they're pretty unassuming, and they just sit there. They're not anything um, particularly sophisticated. They are uh, regular microphones, cell phone quality microphones, but they are equipped with uh, onboard GPS and they are synced to the atomic clock because, as I mentioned before, hmm. location and timing are important to how our system works. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now, thunder, lightning, it's a very common uh, occurrence in South Africa, probably less so in Cape Town, actually, more so here in Johannesburg where we're based, but um, it is it does occur down there as well. Loud noises like thunder, a nearby lightning strike, can that confuse the system? And if so, how do you deal with that? So uh, confuse is the wrong word to use. Okay. Will our system detect those loud, impulsive sounds? Yes, but we use several steps. So these sensors are detecting these loud, impulsive sounds, and they have to be loud enough to reach three or more sensors. So if a person went outside and slammed their car door, 
it might make an, a, a loud impulsive sound, but not loud enough to reach three sensors spread out of an area. So those sounds won't trigger the system at all. But a really loud impulsive sound like uh, thunder may trigger the system. It may reach three or more sensors. Mm -hmm. And these sensors, they say, I heard a loud impulsive sound. They report it to the central-based uh, cloud server. Uh, we then use a process of filtering. And uh, you can look, uh, we have uh, many patents as a company. We use a patented process for filtering out sounds that are not likely characteristic of gunfire. And then whatever the system doesn't filter goes through a human reviewer. 24-7, 365 days a year, Sound Thinking has human reviewers staffing our incident review centers or IRCs. And they review every alert that the uh, or every incident that the system has filtered and then presented to them as potentially gunfire. Now, they do a lot of things. And there's this uh, misperception that they are simply using their ears. They also use their ears, but they don't only use their ears. We look at a lot of other data points to distinguish gunfire from other sounds. <laughs> Sound propagates omnidirectional, spreads in all directions at the same speed, but gunfire tends to be very directional just by the nature of the way it is made. That has consequences for which sensors will detect it and report it. So we look at that, we look at situational factors. We also do use our ears. We're listening for the cadence of gunfire, something that sounds uh, consistent strength um, in their pulses as opposed to say firecrackers where there's a lot of overlapping. Mm -hmm. And uh, using all of these techniques and measuring feedback from our customers um, who we provide a financial incentive to report to us when we get it wrong, uh, we know that our accuracy rate is about 97% across all of our system deployments. 97%, okay, and those 3% that are false positives, uh, what do they tend to be? Well, we have false positives and we have false negatives. Mm -hmm. So the false positives, you mentioned thunder, that sort of thing. That doesn't normally trick our system. But occasionally we'll hear a loud sound uh, that sounds like gunfire, that the system thinks is gunfire, that a human reviewer classifies as gunfire. We'll report it to our customers and they'll respond. And occasionally they'll say, hey, we, we got out there and we found that a person had thrown a firework and we have evidence that it was that and not gunfire. Um, that makes up actually a very small percentage of the mistakes that we make, less than half a percent or about half a percent, less than a percent. Um, the other part are the false negatives. And those are the ones that are really uh, painful. Occasionally our customers will report, hey, we have a gunshot wound victim and no corresponding shot spot or alert. It doesn't happen often, but it happens sometimes. And those we take very seriously because, uh, as I mentioned before, sometimes people think that the greatest value of our system is the arrests that result. But it's not. The greatest value is the quick aid that we can get to um, gunshot wound victims. And this isn't theoretical. Um, I, in one year in Oakland, California, a city in America that has suffered from high levels of gun violence, in a single year, shot spotter alerted police to more than 100 gunshot wound victims where there was no corresponding 911 call. Those are wounded people who are not going to get aid but for shot spotter alerts. So uh, to your original question, uh, does the system make mistakes? Um, the answer is not very often.
Okay, okay. And um, are, are criminals able to defeat the system at all? I'm imagining using a, a criminal using a silencer on a gun. Would that defeat the system, for example? Well, uh, so our sound, or our system depends on loudness of sound to function. Mm -hmm. And so a suppressed firearm that does not produce much of a report uh, may not be detected by three or more sensors. A shooting incident that incur occurs in an enclosure, like inside a car or in a home, may not reach our sensors. And small caliber firearms, like 22 caliber firearms, may not produce a loud enough report to reach our system. Doesn't mean that our system can't detect those things. Very often, we will detect things like a 22 caliber shooting incident. Um, but because the system depends on it, we may not. The other thing is we operate in a dynamic real world um, where there are myriad factors that can influence how sound travels. So if someone shot a person up close, like a contact shooting, um, that attenuation of the muzzle blast may have uh, an impact on how many sensors detect it. So uh, there are limitations to what the system can do. Um, and there are, I suppose, sophisticated criminals who may try to defeat it. Mm -hmm. um, if they knew exactly where our deployments were, uh, they may try to commit their crimes outside that coverage area. It's part of the reason that we don't report precisely where our system is or what our sensors look like, because they may attempt to vandalize, steal, destroy them, or retaliate against the property owners who've allowed us to deploy our sensors on their property. Out of interest, uh, cities that have deployed this technology, including Cape Town and, and the cities in the U.S., um, do, do, does law enforcement tend to go and check out every single uh, incident that is detected by the system? Uh, the, the reason I'm asking this, I see the city of Cape Town has been talking about introducing, potentially introducing drones in the fight against crime. And I imagine drones might be a useful means of going to check out the site of this of a gunshot that was detected by your system to see if there is actually a problem there rather than deploying um, you know, a limit, the limited resources a city might have available in terms of law enforcement officers. How are, um, how are cities around the world using this technology and responding it to, to it when, when uh, incidents are detected? Well, there are a couple of things in there. Uh, one, yes, some of our customers are using drones. In fact, uh, during the time that our CEO was in South Africa, um, an alert came in, a drone was deployed and was actually able to lead to the arrest of a couple of suspects who I believe were wanted for um, murder charges. That's well, um, a real world example of how what you're describing really can happen. Um, uh, our system is a tool, uh, but it is just a tool and there's no single answer to addressing gun violence. Mm -hmm. uh, but we think um, our system used in concert with others layered with crime gun intelligence, other sources of information on who is committing violent crime, as well as deployment with other pieces of technology like cameras, like drones, or other integrations, which is something that we do uh, commonly and, and in lots of places, really can increase the value of it. Um, the other thing that you mentioned about the, the drones and the efficiency, um, I, I would like to point to uh, a, a place where 
ShotSpotter is not deployed. Mm -hmm. So we talked before that much of the gunfire goes unreported. So in those places, police know about only a fraction of the gunfire that occurs anyways. Uh, Research and our experience suggests 80 to 90 percent of gunfire goes unreported to police. But let's say in that 20 percent that they do learn about, um, they're getting incomplete information. Your average 911 caller um, uh, who's reporting what they think is gunfire is very little information to provide. Uh, sometimes they can't say where it occurred. They say it sounds like it happened out front of my house, but they can't say if it happened on their block or two blocks over or three or four blocks over. And we know gunfire, the sound of it will travel a long distance. So what are police to do? Well, they deploy all of the resources that they can, and they just roam around hoping that they come across the incident. Maybe they will find the victim. Of course, maybe they will drive through the crime scene. Maybe they won't find the person at all. And so our system allows them to be more efficient with the resources that they do have. Rather than roaming around and searching, they can go right to where the place occurred. The other thing is we provide them an audio clip Every officer who responds to a ShotSpotter alert can listen to the gunfire for him or herself. That helps them understand the circumstances that they'll be going into. And so you you asked about um, police responding to every incident. We encourage giving priority to gunshot alerts. Mm -hmm. Um, As we mentioned, very often uh, when you're dealing with gunfire in urban areas, time is of the essence. There are wounded people who need that help. Uh, But we also think by using our tool effectively, uh, police can be efficient in the way they use the resources. Fascinating technology. Uh, Tom Chittam is Senior Vice President for Forensic Services at Sound Thinking. Uh, Tom, uh, if anyone wants to learn more about this tech, uh, what's the best website to visit? Well, if you go to our website, soundthinking.com, you can find lots of information about the acoustic gunshot detection system we've been discussing, ShotSpotter, but also the other technology solutions that our company has that helps police respond more effectively, more efficiently, more equitably to the crimes that they face in their area. All right. Tell us a bit about those other technologies that you offer. Well, for instance, we have a system that allows police to search across uh, law enforcement databases. It's like Google Mm -hmm. for cops. We have a case management system that allows them to uh, compile, organize, and share the data they collect um, uh, called uh, Case Builder. And we have a patrol management solution. Uh, When police have to patrol a large area, we use data. Uh, and a system called um, risk terrain modeling to tell them where it might be most efficient to use the resources and to ensure that the resources are being deployed around the area and not um, unnecessarily concentrated in one area, placed on the gut of police. Instead, we use objective data. Uh, We've also uh, recently acquired another company that allows for a passive weapons detection. So uh, not a gun being fired, but a gun being carried. Um, And so there's a lot of things that we're doing. Um, I I think I mentioned it at the start of the show, but I spent uh, virtually all of my adult life working in federal law enforcement here in the United States, focused mostly on gun crime. And when I retired, I couldn't have been more excited to come to this company because I saw incredible potential 
in this technology and the platform it was producing to improve policing, to save lives and to reduce crime. It's why I'm happy to be here today and why I was happy to talk to you about it. Excellent. Tom Chittam, as I said, is Senior VP for Forensic Services at Sound Thinking, the owner of ShotSpotter. Thank you for a fascinating interview and thanks for talking to Tech Central today. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.